I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, ad free episodes, and much more. Discord, all that good stuff. Today we have Ryan Hanna of Winged Wheeled Podcast, talk Detroit Red Wings, the matchup preview. We also talk about Capacaco, his role on the first line, and we also mention uh, Adam Fox and his injury, along with what would happen and why it might be a good silver lining for the New York Rangers. And I use science to prove it. So, I will also be at the Detroit Red Wings game uh, on Tuesday. So, if you want to say hello to me, I think I'll be on the Chase Bridge. Say hello, wave, call me mean names, and uh, I will see you there. So, without further ado, here's Mark Messier, and let's get to the show. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Hello, Carlos Mendoza. How are you, Carlos Mendoza? Are you above or below the Mendoza line? (laughs) The amount of jokes that's going to be times... That's the last one I'll make. That's yeah, bullshit, buddy. Uh, you're not you're not pulling you're not sneaking that one by me. I'll have a counter throughout the season. All right, we got one. Hey, you lost your dude today too. Tough, tough man. Tough. Uh, the Rays lose seven guys every year, and it's like okay, ninety wins again, and we guess we'll lose in the first round. No big deal. Get swept. I just awesome. see, saw the Rays made a trade today. Sure, that guy's gonna be great. Yeah, that's that's a, you know the rules. Don't I trade do. the Rays. Don't do yeah. it. Call back. Hang up. What what's wrong with us? Uh, since we last left our heroes, when we, we last left them, things were good. Things were really good. Mm. I mean, the Rangers were in a position where we were uh, singing the praises of Peter Laviolette. Still kind of are in some ways. They were going into a game against the Hurricanes that were was, I don't want to say, like, it was not a must-win situation. But uh, the vibes were as, as high as they could be. They'd won five in a row on the West Coast game, uh, road trip. They were going to play a division rival for top of the division in the Hurricanes. And they went and beat that division rival in the Hurricanes. But guess what happened? Oh, a lot. Adam Fox is hurt, and now he's on long-term injury IR. And then Philip Heedle is also day-to-day after taking a hit from Jesper Fast. Uh, since then, a lot has changed. The Rangers played a game over Saturday night against the Wild and Matt Zuccarello, who promptly... Scored, as is predicted by me and literally everyone who's ever watched Rangers hockey in the past. Scoring three right away, letting up three of their own, and then losing in a shootout of which is a skills competition. But still an impressive performance for a team missing Adam Fox and Filipino and Barclay Goodrow, new father. With that all being said, the number one story here is clearly Adam Fox being hurt for some amount of time. The earliest he can return, I believe, is November 28th, question mark. Someone talked... Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Greg, or if anybody does know, please feel free to yell at me. But we are looking at a month without Adam Fox, who is clearly the core of this offense and the core of uh, the best skater, at least, on the team. Where do you stand right now, knowing that fact? Yeah, I, I 
I think long term IR. It's twenty four days minimum. It's twenty four days and ten games. It right. has to be both. Yeah, and it's not like one can happen first or so on and so forth. Correct. Um, we talked about this on OT a little bit. It's worth reiterating the point now. If this were to happen, and we never want it to happen, we never wish to happen. But if it were to happen, the best time it could possibly happen is when the Rangers were winners of eight of their first ten. And it's early in the season, so there's plenty of runway for Fox to get back up to speed when he is healthy. If you were to say you were going to miss Adam Fox for six weeks, possibly two months, you are in about as good of a situation as you could possibly be in. That's that's probably the glass half full version of it. Uh, the glass half empty version of it. I mean, he's the most important Ranger not named Igor Shesterkin. It, it Everything flows through him. I know we all like to point out the, wow, the Rangers are what with Ryan Lindgren? 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 <laughs> in and out of, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the Rangers record with Lindgren in and out of the lineup? Blah, blah, blah. We throw it around every time because he picks up injuries, comes out of the lineup, and suddenly the Rangers' game plan goes to shit. I do think a large portion of that happens because Lindgren comes out mid-game so often and it does mess up not just the hierarchy but the flow and the rhythm of everything the Rangers do. Adam Fox is just so critical to this team being successful on the power play and 5v5 that I don't... Listen, the beauty of having an Eric Gustafson who can slide up the lineup, I can feel like the Rangers are buoyed a little bit by having Gustafson, but you're fucking kidding yourself if you think he's going to do even 60% of uh, 60% what Adam Fox does. Very large percentage. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's... And this, of course, this happens um, on the heels of the Rangers going to Minnesota, scoring four even-strength goals, which... When's the last time they did that? I, I honestly... I can't remember. Yeah, it's like been never. at least two years. Uh, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a conversation about what the Rangers are doing at even strength is coming up sooner rather than later. It is. How'd you know? I, it's on the call list, Ryan. Um, <laughs> We've never made one. No. God, no. What, how, however, what would it even look like? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, God, it's tough, man. It's, uh, it's just tough. We're okay. In terms of the beauty of having a roster as deep and as talented as the one the New York Rangers have is I have confidence that the six defensemen they are dressing to play are six NHL quality defensemen, which is not something we could say as recently as last year, especially since there are multiple games the Rangers were playing four dudes for six spots. At the same time, I... Listen, if you want me to be sunshines and rainbows, I'm not going to be able to do it. They're, this is I've seen Jacob DeGrom get hurt enough in my life to not feel pain anymore, and yet this <laughs> one still hurt. I could give you some bright side, literally just some, a little silver lining. I, um, over the weekend, decided I was a very sad boy and needed some help processing this Adam Fox news. And I went, I went looking, and I listened to some podcasts, and this one interesting fact came up, and I went, wow, this is exactly what the Rangers are going through. Hope you're buckled in, because we're doing science time. This, this is brought to you by Science Time with Ryan. Go to our Patreon.com slash Blue Breakaway. In 2015, two researchers from the University of Florida 
and the Stevens Institute of Technology studied over 28,000 NBA games. And they noted when the best player was injured or absent from the team, and then they found that when the star player missed a brief amount of time due to injury or absences, say about 13 NBA games, which is what we're kind of expecting for Fox to, to be gone at this point, and maybe about 20% of the season, if they missed that amount of time, the team played better overall when they returned. It was almost as if the injury to the star magically improved the team from a paper. Uh, sorry, from the, and from the paper's abstract quote, this is literally the quote, a star's temporary absence helps the organization overcome myopa, myopia by triggering a search for new routines. Uh, that is not how you say that. <laughs> but the whole point here is, there's literally research to show that this is a time for the Rangers that can, they can make adjustments around. They can't run everything through Adam Fox. So maybe there's other skills that they'll have to use and find, such as like some passing from Keandre Miller, such as some maybe some secret game from Brady Schneider. Maybe, maybe the forwards actually have to do some things at even strength like they did versus Minnesota comparatively to when Adam Fox can run everything from the offense to defense and the entire team. Now they can find and hone in on these skills that they were they would never be able to practice before. Now that they can with Adam Fox gone. And then he can return, be great as he was before, and the skills have been obtained. Does that make sense? All right. I mean, I, I didn't come here to have the Reading Rainbow lecture today, okay. but <laughs> here we are. It, I hear what you're saying. Yes. But I... I I do need to play devil's advocate a little bit. Okay. Where one of the big keynotes on this show, something we talk about all the time, is simply not asking people to do something they are not capable of. Now, again, the Rangers are going to be asking Eric Gustafson to run a power play. He's capable of doing that. They're going to be asking for more out of Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba and Ryan Lindgren. They're capable of doing that. I, I do think part of the problem is it's that – balance you need to achieve where you look at the good news that Adam Fox is going to have fewer miles on his legs come April than in a normal season. At the same time, how do you account for the extra miles you're putting on guys that you wanted to have more complementary roles come playoff time? Maybe it's the best thing in the world for them where, you know, they're being put in situations where they have to step up. They have to play better. They have to, obtain a higher role on this team so that if it does happen in the future we can say don't forget those six months those six weeks those eight weeks that they had this experience doing it I feel better about it at the same time sometimes players start to press they're they're human there's more pressure on them they might not respond to that pressure where if you simply keep them in their cubby hole and they're great at that, and they know their role, and they're comfortable in their role, and they're able to do everything you need them to do when everything is clicking X, Y, and Z, I don't know how you square the circle on Keandre Miller, a guy who we were hoping was going to find his game this season like it was two years ago. This is either the best thing for him or possibly the worst thing for him, and I don't know which one it is. We're going to find out pretty quickly. Uh, as as we will have our guest Ryan Hanna on today to talk about the Detroit Red Wings and their season. The Rangers are playing them on Tuesday night. They've been a, pretty good. A conversation of three men who don't want Patrick Kane in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it's like, pretty, that, much, pretty much what it's going to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, we're good. Uh, the Kane stuff is going to be even more interesting now because, well, uh, it's, look, it's even it's even harder to do now. It's way harder. Uh, I don't think I, I, that's the most hilarious part about all of this is you quickly learn which people who want Kane don't understand how the fuck 
long-term IR actually works anymore. Look, I don't understand anything about the rules for hockey, uh, the rules on the ice, and especially the rules with the financials. But I'm pretty sure from my from Vincent McCarcoliano's reporting uh, on this situation, they are losing cap space by the trade deadline by a couple thousand, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and it's also important to note that it's very clear the Rangers expect Adam Fox at some point back this regular season because they are trying to save money on off days. They sent uh, Mackie, Deming, and Brudzinski down yesterday or Saturday after the game yep. and then recalled them today. So they are, they are trying to save money because they know they're going to need however much cap space they can possibly have before the deadline and by the time Fox comes back. But yeah, any any day you see Domingue, Mackie, and Brudzinski on this roster, the New York Rangers are losing money. Big time. And to be, look, unless Kane, uh, I guess we have to say this, unless he just takes the minimum and they cut one of these guys, and even then, um, I'm just not sure he does that. So Yeah, I don't know. Why would you... I always wonder why he would take the minimum because if if it's just about he's not a guy that just needs to get back on the ice. At some point you're better off sitting this entire season out, giving your body a full 12 months to recover and getting a bigger paycheck next summer when oh by the way the salary cap's going up. Where like if he takes $700,000 or $800,000 the vet minimum to play a grueling playoff schedule on a repaired hip that could go bad for him where he doesn't get another contract. Right. Whereas if he did wait, he could probably convince a team to give him two years, maybe three. You can, you can at least convince a team to give you one year and 4 million plus. That's true. Just because you're Patrick Kane. That's true. And uh, honestly, probably the revenue from just like the advertising of like you saw what happened with the Rangers with Kane last year. Uh, ESPN talked about it. It was like one of the only times they talked about hockey. It was all over the place. Um, And it was really good for the league until until he didn't do anything. This is this is the this is the extent that which you and I will talk about Kane on this podcast until he fucking signs with someone that we can either say I told you so. We can never fucking talk about him. We'll talk about with Ryan, too. Um, No, just but you and me. This is it. This is all I want to do. I, I think that's fair. Put yourself in the situation. It makes no sense for him to take the vet minimum, not be able to prove his hip doesn't work, and then not get another contract. So if he's signing with a team, he's getting money because there's no incentive for him to jump onto a playoff team for no money and have it go the way of Nick Backstrom. Yeah, I, look, all surgeries are not created equal at all. Um, so maybe Kane's situation might be different. But we just won't know that until he comes back. The, the back from surgery obviously didn't go as well as planned. Um, as he's stepping away from hockey now. So, uh, what, do we want to start with the line combinations from today? Line talk. We finally got there. Uh, it only took 11 games. I know. We I, got there. I just want to once again ask people to just follow less people on social media. <laughs> we need I, to know, know less about each other still? Yeah. yeah. I, again, I woke up this morning. I had a good weekend. I had a great I, weekend. I was yeah. in Boston hanging out with our buddy who just got engaged, and we did nothing but play Mario Kart, watch the challenge, and bet on some ponies. Uh, I got to <laughs> stop watching ponies with him too because th- this time people are dying, and it's starting to get up. Wait. Concerning. Wait, excuse me? Uh, a horse, the first time, so the first time I ever convinced Boston Mike to get deep in the 
uh, horse racing with me was in the middle of the pandemic. No other sports were going on. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And the first race I had him watch the horse we bet on was coming around the corner, shatters it leg and they had to put it down. Jesus. That's the very first race. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. So we're watching, (laughs) we're watching a race. that. Thank you for the sympathy for Mike there. Yeah. We're watching a race this weekend and there's a horse, absolutely dynamic horse who people that tuned into the playback I did for, I think Belmont day is familiar with this horse. Horse's name is Cody's wish. Incredible horse undefeated at a mile crushed at a mile, but the horse very sweetly is named for, um, I believe it's pronounced Cody Dramon, uh, 18 year old kid who's battled a litany of health issues throughout his life. And it's frankly just inspiring to see that he was not only able to make it to 18 years, but also go to Keeneland, watch his favorite horse, have a great weekend, get the win. Nice story. Immediately died. Died this morning. So oh, like Mike, no. Mike got the story, and he's just like, "I'm not doing this with you anymore. We gotta find new hobbies." And this is <laughs> oh, this is no. the first one where I'm just like, you know what? Maybe, man, maybe this... because where do we go from here? Like the next time I go watch horse races with Mike, what nuclear weapon is gonna detonate where? That's what I need to know. Just tell me when you're gonna go to hang out with Mike again, so I can get ready. <laughs> just like, just let me know, dude. You'd be the last person to know because I you you'd be fine. By the way, these things only happen. <laughs> It, it has to be some some connection to the horse in which I'm betting on. So I'm going to bet on a Japanese horse, and there's going to be another tsunami or something like that. Its name is like uh, Warmed Bidet or something? <laughs> no, the Japanese, they're very serious about how they name their horses. They're all A lot of horses have very charming, funny names. And then you get like the Japanese horse, and it's like Song Line. And I'm like, okay. It probably All means right. something different in, in Japanese. It's like a different translation, probably. I, I don't think that's it, but I'm going to let you have it. Fine. I'm not. A, what am I acting like? I'm a horse racing expert here. I have no fucking idea. Let's talk about Cabo Cago because I can do that. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I always think there's something. There's always a player that everybody wants to beat up on. I think this is what you were alluding to with the follow us people situation. Yes, because people um, were complaining about Cabo Caco. What are we that, doing? What are like, we doing? This is kind of where I'm at. Like, what are we doing? They're eight the, two. They are eight two and one, right? They they are. This is correct. They are eight two and one. Yes. Has Cabo Caco produced at five v five or on the top line like I would want him to? No, guys. Yeah, I would. I would like Cabo Caco to have more than two points in the season. Would I also like if Mika Zabinajad had buried some of the passes that that were passed elegantly to him by Cabo Caco, and they hit the post or just were rebounded out or had a sweet save against them? Yes, because Caco would have five or six points, and we would not be having this conversation. That top line has struggled in most ways for, in terms of out, uh, actual 5v5 production. Chris Kreider is a monster on the power play. His tipping ability is unmatched. He's, uh, he's unbelievable. But I believe because Zibinijad has one point at 5v5 this season. Mm-hmm. Kapokako has two. And yet the, the problem is Kapokako. Now, I'm not saying to you at home right now when you're listening to this, or wherever you are, that Kapokako isn't, like, you, you, you could be concerned. You could want more. But... But in terms of, like, he's been invisible out there, I think the only game he's quote-unquote been invisible out there was the last one. Before that, I I thought Kako has been very noticeable most games and having at least some sort of impact, whether it be defensively or creating along the boards or retrieving or doing a bunch of things. And maybe I'm the crazy one. Yes, he should be producing the points. I get it. 
But I also don't mind moving him down, and I'm not going to freak out about moving Kako down to the third line. They want more out of him. It could be a send a message situation. It also They also want more out of the first line. They want Wheeler up there. So they got to do different looks. This is something that you and I, Greg, have complained about a lot throughout the history of this show is that coaches don't experiment. So when the time comes, they don't have that sort of ace in their back pocket. This is fine. It's fine to say, is Kako better playing down here? Can he figure it out more out? Maybe he's better away from Chris Kreider. By the way, notably, I've always hated Chris Kreider and Kapo Kako playing together. I've talked about this ad nauseum for three years. The one player I wanted to play with is Artem Panarin, and it will never, ever, ever happen. So I'm not here to freak out about Kapo Kako because I have nothing better to complain about because the Rangers blew a three-goal lead and still somehow managed to get a point in a game, by the way. They were absolutely outplayed the entire time, the exception of the, the three goals they scored immediately. Um, so I'm not here like to have a referendum on Kako's career. Yes, I would love to have more points. Yes, I would love to have uh, more production. I do think it's coming. Maybe I'm the optimistic one, but the Rangers are 8-2-1, two, and one, and the first line hasn't worked, and it hasn't been just him. You can you can make fun of, or at least slander, Mika Zavinajad, too. It doesn't have to just be Kapo Kako in this situation. A lot of things can be true simultaneously, which is crazy to think about in this world we live in that's so rigid. Duality, and, what a concept. I know. Um First of which is, you're absolutely right. Just like with Adam Fox, the Rangers are 8-2-1. We are comfortable certain combinations are working, both at 5v5 and on the power play. But there's no better time, especially when it comes to Blake Wheeler, to truly see once and for all what the hell you actually have with him. Because we are nearing the end of the road if Wheeler can't go the next six games or so however many games is on the first line the man is fighting for his ranger livelihood in some ways where it's put up a shut up time brennan othman's hanging around playing really well will cooley is here playing really well capo caco whether you think he needs to be a 60 point player or not this is the time in the season where caco seems to be middling a little bit so move a guy up that you're trying to get a fire lit under him, see if it works, and if it doesn't work, then you have to make some really hard roster decisions. But the real point I want to make here, Ryan, is this is now the third year in a row under two different coaches where, once again, 5v5 offensive production involving Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider and whoever is on their line seems to be of question. At what point can we ask why are Mika and Kreider still playing together if this has continued to be an issue? And at some point, Ryan, the crazy part is not moving the third guy off the line. It's keeping the other two together. Artemi Panarin couldn't get them going at 5v5 last year. <laughs> like, at, at what point do you just say, True. you can love each other as much as you want and do whatever the fuck you want. You two suck together at 5v5. I, I don't... I don't they're great on the power play. They're electric on the power play. Don't touch PP1. Why? This isn't working with them at 5v5. Them, not Kako, not Lafreniere, not Panarin, not VC, not anyone who has gotten time as the third, as the second winger with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. At some point, you need to diagnose the problem with the first two. Zibanejad has one point. Yeah, Cabo Kaka would have more points if the guy chiefly responsible for generating goals on that line was playing. 
<laughs> like I, I, it's an insane concept. Yeah, it's, it's so like, crazy. This is this is this is a weird variation of. Remember over the summer when I got really angry that people were blaming Buck Showalter for the faults and failures of individual of my, players on the one Mets? of my favorite episodes ever is when we that was when we turned on the players. All we had everybody, <laughs> yeah. we turned on everyone. It was like, yeah, and, bring the flamethrowers out. And so I'm not angry that people are like, well, it's Capocacco's fault. It's just like once again, you can blame people you love. For being not good enough and inadequate in certain areas. Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider do not work at 5v5. I don't know how else to describe this. And the funny thing is, if you look at the advanced analytics, they all suggest the top four skaters on the Rangers, three of them are Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and Kapokako. So it would just be a matter of luck turning that around. At the same time, this is year three, Ryan. Year three, where putting Kreider and Zibanejad together without Pavel Buchnevich just hasn't fucking worked. And at has, some point, you need to take a step back and be like, hmm, maybe I should break up those two. Yeah, the analytics look good. In terms of, like, goals scored against them, they do really well. And honestly, they have, they're have they not the squad that was playing, at least when Adam Fox was healthy, playing with him. It's been Truba and Miller behind them uh, most of the time, which has also worked. But you're dead on, uh, where it's like, maybe maybe there is another option here. Or maybe you ride it out and say, hey, maybe we've been unlucky. Maybe we could change something. But I just don't know. It is the third year in a row. But uh, but this isn't me just like – I can't just sit here tonight and just say, you're right, guys. Cabo Caco, that's the problem. It's not. It's, it's, it, it's, it's more not. than that. I, to me, again, the, the guy who needs to wear the crown on that line is the best player on that line, and that's supposed to be Mika Zibanejad. And for whatever reason, we just allow Zibanejad – he's got so much leash. It, it, the, the Knicks have played five games, and I know Nick, Knicks fans that want Julius Randle charged. Like, I'm, I don't know what the charge is, but they want him in court. Apparently there's, not... a ci- there's a civil war in the Knicks locker room. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> uh, I, I heard there is the, the players who play and the players who improvise. And I was like, what, the, what are we What, what, is are it, we what are we talking about? What what, what's going on? Um, but yeah, man, I just I, – it, it boggles the mind where it's so much easier to hold – people accountable that you don't have the track record with, or better yet, aren't producing in the way you had hoped they would produce. So it feeds into that internal narrative of yours. But the reason the Rangers are struggling to score at 5v5 with Kreider, Zibanejad, and Kako on the ice is not because of anything Kapo Kako is doing. It's because the other two guys on that line, the two guys charged chiefly with putting the puck in the back of the net, aren't. And you said it, the defensive numbers look good on that line. Could that be, I don't know, because the best Ranger defensive forward is playing on that line in Cabo Caco? Very, very strange when you make you think about it. And very again, weird. I want to be clear. The Rangers are 8-2-1. <laughs> They've played 11 <laughs> games. Really They've won, good. They've won eight of them. That's over 75%. It's pretty fucking good. I don't know if it's over 75%. It's over 70%, though. I know sure, that much. Sure, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just covered my ass there. And yeah, that's good. Greg, actually, it's 72.7. Uh, just get your fucking shit together. I am fine with moving really around any line that isn't um, Panarin and Lafreniere and whoever you want to put in the middle of them. If they wanted to move Cooley up, I'd be fine with that. They want to move Wheeler up, I'm fine with that. I would have probably drawn a line at Barclay Goodrow. But it at least would have had the conversation. My anger is not that Wheeler's going up and Kako's going down. I think that's necessary for 
again, finding out what you got with Blake Wheeler, see if you can light a fire under his ass, see if you can spread the scoring up and down the lineup at 5v5. My problem is, once again, we have failed to look closely at the K and the Z on the line and wonder for the third straight year, hmm, that's not working. Wonder how we can fix that. It's like, imagine having a bad bullpen. And then every year you go into the year and you're like, yeah. I think it's going to be better this year. And it turns out the bullpen's not. And the real reason why is because you did nothing to change the bullpen. And you ask yourself, hmm, is it the AAA reliever that is causing this bullpen to be bad? Or is it the chief conspirators that are continuously underperforming? At some point, Ryan, got to get angry at Zibanejad. I just don't know what else you're doing at this point. Um, before we get to our guests, do you want to talk about Igor at all? Just day to day, hurt is growing probably. Who knows? Should be back fine. I think he'll be fine. Um, this is why, again, Jonathan Quick, he's been asked to get six points for the Rangers and he's got five. I don't care how he did it. I, I can't sit here and say I've been disappointed in Jonathan Quick at this point in the year. He was excellent on in Saturday's game. I mean, look, let up four goals, but excellent. Really. He, he made a lot of great saves. Uh, and he was getting not a lot of help. So with, uh, without further ado, let's get to our friend Ryan Hanna, Wing Wheel Podcast, and we will talk to him about the Detroit Red Wings. Transition. Hey, I'm here to tell you about TickPick, our ticket sponsor for Blue Shirts Breakaway all year long. And if you're looking to go to a Ranger game or any other event, there's no better way to get tickets than TickPick. My favorite thing about TickPick, hashtag no fees. That's right. The price you see up front is the price you pay at the end. Not like those other ticket websites where you go and you're like, okay, these tickets seem pretty reasonably priced. You check out, all of a sudden, the service fees pop up. You're like, what is this? What's going on? Not on TickPick. Super easy to use. Intuitive UI. Ranks every ticket score by seat. You can say this is an A-plus deal. Oh, these seats look good. Oh, these seats are more cheap than usual using their algorithms and AI. All that good stuff. TickPick. If you want to use TickPick, use it. this code, BLUESHIRTS15, to get $15 off any purchase above $99 in the app. That's Blue Shirts 15. Tell you, tell them Blue Shirts Breakaway sent you. You heard, you heard Ryan talking about the great ticket deals to go to Ranger Games on TickPick, and you took the Blue Shirts 15 code to the app and used it for $15 off any purchase on above $99 for New York Rangers or other events. TickPick, the official ticket sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. 
Adidas. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Ryan Hanna of Winged Wheeled Podcast, the only other independent podcast hockey thing I ever even think about. Ryan, how are you? <laughs> That's good. It, it's reciprocal. I'm good, other Ryan, or I should say better Ryan. Uh, how oh, are you no, guys? please don't flatter me. Greg is right there. Um, it is. <laughs> I wasn't listening. What happened? Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> the Rangers are playing the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday. Uh, mm-hmm. If people listening to this on Wednesday, something has happened between us, but we don't know yet. Uh, it seems like the Detroit Red Wings, we've been following them through you for the past couple of years, have finally started to take a turn. Things seem to be on the up and up. Uh, can you kind of give us the down low of what the season's been like so far? Yeah, it's been definitely a better season than they've had in the past. Uh, they started out really hot. They lost a jersey, which I know you guys will think is really uncool, but that's also a very good hockey team. And uh, they just won a bunch after that. And they won a bunch in kind of spectacular fashion. You know, all offseason we were talking about who's going to score goals on this team. Yes, they brought in Debrinkit, but there's a real lack of offensive firepower going back to last season where they were one of the lowest uh, lowest scoring teams of the entire NHL all season. And then they just were scoring like five goals a game for like six games straight. And their power play has been unreal. Uh, They just were absolutely on a tear, one of the hottest teams in the NHL right up there with you know, Boston and, and Vegas for that little stretch. Obviously, they came back down to earth. It, it's still the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, but even in their bad games where they've lost, they've hung on where they're only down, you know, uh, 2 nothing. even after playing poorly or relatively poorly after two periods. It's given them a chance to get back in games, and they've been able to steal a point or, or even sneak out a win. So they're 12 games, 7-4-1. and one. It's a really good start for Detroit. Uh, they're not flawless. Debrinkit, who was leading the league in goals at one point, you know, has cooled off for like a few games here. Dylan Larkin was uh, leading the league in points, had cooled off for a, a few games there. So it's not as if, you know, they're doing what Vegas is doing, although they lost to Anaheim last night. But the team altogether looks like they have more of an identity. Uh, they're scoring more. Debrinkit's coming in and making a huge difference. Goss Despair has been absolutely phenomenal for them. And this is with, you know, obviously stuff to work on still. So it, it's given promise to the fans. You mentioned Debrinkat. I think he's the first player I was looking forward to talking to you about. Um, I know it was a couple early games there, but it was impossible to log on to Twitter and not see the Alex Debrinkat has recorded two of the best individual performance any skater has had all season mm-hmm. long. Um, obviously, he was the big ticket item coming into the season. Early returns seem to be promising. The Debrinkat of it all, what say you? Yeah, he's he was as advertised. And I will say, even with, you know, cooling off and not scoring twice a game for every home game, like he is still as advertised. The biggest thing is that he seemed to have instant chemistry with Dylan Larkin on that first line. And Lucas Raymond has fit in quite well with them, although his uh, counting stats took a few games to catch up. He is performing really well, too. But yeah, Debrinkit has just meshed with the team instantly. Uh, he was scoring goals that were tougher to score. He was scoring goals that, you know, goal scorers can make look easy. Uh, he was getting the bounces, and honestly, this is all while teams were really isoing him. I think a lot of power play, or, or I should say a penalty kill against the Red Wings, cheats towards Debrinket, so we haven't even seen him do what I think he can do. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to keep up a 50-goal pace or anything like that all year. It's certainly possible, but he's he's not the Debrinket of last season. You could tell it just wasn't working for him in Ottawa. He didn't have the line mates that he wanted or needed. It, that The city and the team weren't a fit for him in general. I, I don't begrudge Ottawa fans who are pissed off about that. I think if a guy decides that he does not want to play for your team and pretty much forces a trade, then you are justified in booing him and being mad, especially if you see how much better he is in Detroit 
you know, the best uh, litmus test for this because obviously Red Wings fans are just excited right now that he's scoring goals, that it's not just like a, a PDO luck bender is watch Ottawa fans who loathe Detroit and Detroit fans say, no, he is playing substantially better. We did not see this all last season. So it, it's a long season. We'll see how he actually settles in over the course of the year, but to bring it as well on his way to being one of Detroit's uh, best players over the course of the year. I, I guess uh, Debrinkat didn't want to say the line, why I inherited this is beyond me when he played in, <laughs> played in Ottawa. Probably not a thing he wanted to do. Um, one of the best press conferences I've seen in a long time. Congratulations to Ottawa. Um, what a nightmare that is. Um, but, you know, it's funny when you mentioned Debrinkat, and I, I, I will get back to the Detroit Red Wings in a second. Do you ever just think about like how the Chicago Blackhawks traded everybody? Like everybody that was ever turned out to be good in the NHL? Yeah, that team was successful in spite of itself. Like, they moved Panarin way back, and I remember that watching that trade going, that does not make sense. And they're like, well, he, we had to do it because of the cap. We had to make a decision. And I'm like, well, okay, I understand that, but it's like you're folding before a punch is even thrown your way. Why not, you know, do what other teams have done and, and make it squeeze and fit however you need to? Chicago, the exodus from Chicago of, like, elite, elite players is hysterical. And, you know, as a, a Red Wings fan, it brings me so much joy to watch the depths of despair that Chicago's fallen in. And they got lucky with Connor Bedard, so that'll be short-lived. Yeah, they'll but, be fine because yeah. of that. But that's the only reason. Yeah, pretty much. That, I guess that, that whole organization is just a disaster. That brings me to the next question, which is that I think we're two Ryans who don't want Patrick Kane in our team. Is that true? Um, I I don't want to say don't. like You don't watch the Red Wings not score goals and struggle offensively for that long and say... Yeah, I don't Fair. want someone who could do what Patrick Kane could do. And that's like heresy in Detroit because Patrick Kane was, for you know good reason, in, in the rivalry and everything, uh, one of the most hated players in Detroit and, and booed every time he touched the puck, which was good. But I don't know, you suck for so long and then it, it changes your perspective. Although now watching Nicholas Backstrom having to walk away from the game after hip resurfacing surgery, I would be very scared of whatever contract goes to Patrick Kane. Yeah, you can have him. Uh, I, I'm I'm good. That that's essentially where I come down on that front. I do want to talk about the New York Rangers have this problem. You see, mm-hmm. and I think it's a problem you can be quite familiar with. At least I'm starting to think you might be quite familiar with it because I'm pretty sure the only signs I see of it come through your interactions with the content. Rangers have these young players mm-hmm. that had a load of expectations heaped upon them at a young age. Moritz Sider was so good as a rookie and was shockingly, in my opinion, taken so early in the draft that he created his own expectations to a certain extent, but seems to be not the guy people were hoping he would continue to grow into. Is that the correct take or are people reacting to things they're not actually watching? Yeah, I would have to say politely that you're stupid and wrong, Greg, and how dare you? No, no, that's uh, why I phrased it as a question, Ryan. <laughs> oh, no, I wanted no. you to be the one to tell people. I'm messing with you. No, it, he's – so it's a little bit of both worlds, but way more I would say that's the wrong take. Uh, Moritz Sider, who I would say is not having his best start to the season defensively, is still like you know hovering around a point per game or in and around there and making really, really great offensive plays and – becoming a physical presence uh he has been much better than this in terms of positioning decision making uh defensive kind of acuity all that hockey iq stuff so it's there Moritz Sider starts seasons like this this is the third time in a row and he often tries to do too much but he has 
way more ability, and he's demonstrated it over a long enough uh, sample size where you know it's going to come back. It's really hard to play defense in the NHL, especially as a young kid. So for him to already be a star, near-on superstar doing all that, his maturity isn't just going to manifest in becoming a better player, a more talented player. It's going to become, it's going to be uh, manifesting and becoming a more consistent player. So that's just the the maturing phases of most cider. I think another season or two of that maturity, and you're going to see way less of that. Uh, he has the capacity to be just an absolute menace in shutting down the opposition's offensive uh, transition in the neutral zone. And that goes away for, seemingly no reason at all you see him second guess himself or be halfway between two defensive uh, decisions so is it scheme is it partner is it uh like nervousness or trying to do too much i would lean towards the third of those but the guy is still a stud and i I know we're about to jump into uh toronto's or sorry toronto's geez Mm -hmm. uh new york's young players uh and and i think i have a lot of similar things to say I hope. Well, before we talk about them, can we also talk about Lucas Raymond? It's another player that was just – look, I, I don't know. I haven't paid that much attention to Raymond at this point in time. So has his his stock was so sky high at that mm-hmm. time, and I just feel like it has not kept that same inflation over the last two years. I think there's a lot of parallels between him and Zegris, honestly. If you want to look at that entire uh, Calder class where Sider won the uh, Rookie of the Year over those two and, and Bunting, who was about 55 years old at the time. Um <laughs> Raymond is a very talented player who has shown the ability to adjust, but not adjust quick enough. I think he, his sophomore slump was still not terrible, uh, but it wasn't good, and he didn't take the step that teams or, or fans would have wanted him to take. But that kind of sophomore half step back is a very common thing, especially for a skilled forward who's not the biggest. He likes to get his nose dirty, but there's no getting around the fact that if you're a little bit smaller, your time and space disappears and you have less ability fewer tools to kind of just power your way through that so he has the talent to do it and in the offseason he really worked on bulking up adding more muscle and they really the organization i know really wanted him to focus on generating his own space and leaning on that shot that he has some more he he kind of hides inside himself a little bit so he he scaled back last year but he's already shown solid play from day one this year and is at you know 10 points in 12 games or whatever it might be so the the Counting stats are getting back there, even if he didn't start as hot as as Larkin and Debrinkit. He, I would say, does he have the same stock of stardom as Mo Sider? Probably a step behind overall, but there's no reason to think that he can't also really accelerate his development. Like uh, his, he has the ability to be more adaptable. He just has to kind of do it more innately rather than you know go through long cold streaks like he did last year and, and being shut down by opposing teams. So. Again, same as Debrinket. It'll be a long season. We'll see if it holds, but he's doing really well so far this year. You thought we were going to talk about the range of young players. We are not. We talk about them too much. I uh, <laughs> I, want, I, I do want to turn around a little bit and focus on your division, which is not mm-hmm. something we do often. Um, first of all, Detroit playing in a division named the Atlantic is much more like the USC and UCLA playing in the Big Ten or Stanford and Cal playing in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's Probably neither here nuts. nor there. Um, I think this year, I know I assumed one of the Red Wings, Sabres, and Senators were going to take a significant step forward. It seems like all the ingredients were there. Um, Bergeron finally retired in Boston. It felt like Boston was going to take a step backwards. Then Vasilevsky got hurt in, or leading up to training camp. Suddenly the Lightning are in doubt. 
And with Toronto, anything is possible, but especially after the tumultuous summer they just had. And while I would say the Lightning have looked extremely vulnerable and Toronto is just that chef's kiss classic mess, uh, the Bruins are a fucking horror villain and we'll never be able to understand that. But do you feel as a Red Wings insider to a certain extent that the lane's there for you to suddenly jump into that top three? The lane is there for them to challenge the top three. I think it's a bit early. Let's get past Thanksgiving first before we say, you know, jump into the top three. I'm wondering how Buffalo is going to bounce back. I'm wondering how Toronto might bounce back. And I don't really count Montreal being up there, but I mean, they still have 12 points. Uh, I think the lane is there for them to be a serious contender for a third divisional spot or, you know, a wild card spot for sure. And you're right. It is because of the mess in the Atlantic. Not all of these storylines will hold. I think between Ottawa, Florida, and Buffalo, at least two of those teams in my mind will probably turn it around. But the very minimum, one of those teams is going to turn it around and, and be, you know, a playoff contender. So it's not going to be this much of a mess for that long. But I mean, 10, 12 games isn't insignificant. If this goes on for another month and Detroit can hang around second, third spot in the division, then yeah, the lane is there. And that's that's not a small statement because if you if we talked in September, I would have said, eh, I have Detroit at sixth in the division at the end of the year, and I think I'm being the most optimistic of the three hosts on our show. So, yeah, the the mess, the chaos, the bullshit outside of Boston has definitely opened it up for Detroit. I Look, I haven't seen the lightning um, of recent, but they just don't seem as terrifying as they used to be. Um, I'm sure that they're kind of skating through the season no pun intended here but just trying to get to the postseason in one way or another they don't really care what seed they are right yeah Tor- toronto the media is just uh gonna crush them whenever they have streaks like this they'll be fine they're just too talented but i really do think you can squeeze in on that fourth spot i really like the bruins are locked in for number one they just don't lose like they've lost once it's awesome i think they've lost like nine games in two years outside of the playoffs it's, it's, it's just, so dumb it's so stupid and disgusting we hate it our friend Fitz like declares them dead every single year oh <laughs> like, and they, every single year, they're just like, the don't lose. I don't really get it. The first um, year of our podcast, which we started nine years ago, I bet against the Bruins. I said, this will be their downfall, and I was wrong. And I for, for every year after, I said, nope, I'm never betting against them again. And this year, I said, I have to bet against them this time. Over the course of nearly a decade, I was stupidly wrong. A whole generation of players went past, and I was wrong about them the exact same way. They just don't lose. I don't know what it is either. And they've changed coaches. They've done, <laughs> they've done all these changes, but... And like they've lost leaders and they're nine and one right now. They have 19 points. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, But I I do think like the Canadians, like the Sabres are the one team. If I were you, I'd be scared of right now. I think that's the one team that could put it together. I, I, I'm a big believer in what Buffalo has. I don't think they're a perfect one-to-one to to New Jersey, but in my mind, there's just too much solid talent. That's maturing year over year. That team is going to talent their way through whatever they're going through right now. It's hard to win in the league consistently. You guys are well aware that you can have very talented players and the team just for one reason or another doesn't win, but that that only holds so long if you have actually skilled players. So, yeah, I agree. I think Buffalo's going to move up. What are... It's always fun to get this perspective from someone that doesn't live in the New York bubble like Ryan and I do. What are some of the things that have surprised you through the first month of the season? Has it been a month? It's been a month, right? First month of the season. Well, um, I I would like to say that I'm surprised by how good 
uh, New Jersey has been, but I actually was correct about them this year that they're very good. I'm a little surprised by Carolina's start, and I'm pretty impressed with New York's start, actually. I, I wasn't betting against New York by any means, like the Rangers, um, but, you know, 17 points through 11 games, I I thought, I just can't see this team doing that unless Lafreniere and Kako are absolutely lighting it up, and I I hate to go back to the question. No, Lafreniere's been good, man. He's been he, good. I want that one to work out so badly because it just does not make sense to me, but you know what? Like, I'm a big fan of of uh, a big fan of New York being at the top, but I was I'm pleasantly surprised by how well they were to, able to do it this early. I thought this would be New Jersey and Carolina running the show. We did too. Um, I think we were most optimistic third place finish for the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much all off season, and now that Adam Fox is probably out for at least That's three rough. more weeks at this point. Now they're going to have to find a way. Igor Shosturkin will not be starting versus you in Detroit. It will be Jonathan Quick. So how does that make you feel? Uh, much better. Yeah, I like, thought so. <laughs> because Detroit, as much as they have been able to score goals, they've come back down to reality. Like Bobrovsky completely shut them out. Their offense looked like completely frustrated. So Detroit gets goalied kind of easily right now. For the one thing we've kind of learned this year as a Ranger team is that we're going to take our time returning from injury. Now, the Rangers had almost no injuries last year, or if they did, they played through them stupidly like Jacob Truba did mm-hmm. all year long. Uh, but this one, they're going to take their time. So they put they put Adam Fox on long-term IR. They're going to give Igor a couple more days to, to heal up. We don't know what's happening with Philip Heedle. So you're kind of coming into MSG um, facing an extremely depleted Ranger team is this sort of a game like I usually have feelings going into games like Saturday night even when we were up 3-0 I was eating 7-11 uh, feeling very disgusting about myself I was like something feels off here they might yeah. blow this lead to the Minnesota Wild and they did lost in overtime like what is your gut feel heading into the game tomorrow you know what this is a little bit of a uh, a shaky time for Detroit not that they've been performing poorly but they're not on their like insane six game winning streak like the loss against Florida wasn't great you don't want to lose a divisional game like that where you can't even score a goal uh, the win against Boston was good, but, you know, they had to wake up after a period or so. Still a good win. I thought they were better, the better team uh, over Boston. But they are now coming into some real litmus tests. And I know New York's depleted, but you're walking into Madison Square Garden against the, you know, first seed in the in, in that division, in the Metro Division. So uh, I, I would love to say it's going to be a solid win, but I don't know. That's a lot of offensive firepower. Detroit's goaltending hasn't been like an absolute stalwart this year, so... Kind of up in the air, honestly. How? Where are we in the Yeiser plan? Yeah, great question. I, I, I feel like for years we've been saying it's going to get there. It's going to get there, and it's been trending in the right direction. Every time we have you on, we talk about how impressed we are with the young talent Detroit has, how smart they've been on the trade front, how they seemingly always know when to sell. But this is the first year where I'm really taking a step back from what Detroit is doing and asking myself, when are they ready? Is it, is this still the year before the year or, or are we nearing the point where results kind of have to start catching up to reputation? You're it's, it's leaning towards the latter. And I'm of the mind of, look, if Detroit is not going to get incredibly lucky finding like a Kucherov in a second or winning a draft lottery and being gifted Connor Bedard or something like that, you can complain, complain, complain about, oh, the Iser plan's taking too long and Eisenman's overrated. Too much of the NHL's success is dictated by that kind of luck. And, and the Kucherov thing is is skill in your scouting staff. I don't want to take away Point from... as well. It's both. Yeah, it, it's like... But at the same time, you need to have some luck to accelerate things. So that being said, 
even though I'm firmly in the Eiserman has by and large been a pretty good GM for Detroit. I think on balance, his trades have been really, really good. Uh, he's also made some decisions that have, and he'll he'll be the first to say it, he stuck his neck out. Like he gave Andrew Kopp and JT Comfort and Ben Sherratt and other players longer term contracts where they're on a spectrum. I like, I really like JT Comfort as a player, but that's a five year deal. I think Andrew Kopp, we'll see how he does this year because last year was a little bit mired by some uh, funky injury and recovery. But those are, that's more than 10.7 million tied up between those two players and it's staggered, but five years each. The Ben Sherratt deal hasn't been good. But then he's also signed Shane Gossespierre, who's been uh, phenomenal, and he's brought in other players who have done really well. JT Confer has also done really well, I should say, early on. Uh, all this to say, like, he has decided to move in a direction to use free agency, uh, pay the extra year or a little bit of extra money on contracts to shore up the team with some more veteran players now to get them winning now, even if it's not going to be the kind of winning that gets you into the third round of the playoffs. And that's tough because everyone has an idea of their, in their mind of, all right, Detroit sucks, 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 and then boom, trampling straight to the top because they won draft lotteries and all of a sudden they're cup contenders, and that's just not the, the route that Eisenman chose to go on. And there's there's a lot of credence to the the path he chose because he said this in previous pressers. Like if he wanted to really tank for Connor Bedard, he would not only have had to not sign players in free agency, he would have probably had to trade Larkin and he would have had to have traded Bertuzzi before the season started and Hironic before the season started last year. And they just weren't willing to risk all of that and suck that hard even longer because the rebuild had already gone so long. So he's going for this incremental step. Let me help Detroit friends, uh, fans out real quick, Ryan. I'm happy to mm-hmm. come on your show and say this. The Rangers won two lotteries. <laughs> <laughs> and you wasted them! Uh, yeah, look. look. I, <laughs> I love Capococco. He just hasn't been the producer that everyone wants him to be in terms of points. I think he's a great player, and I think he's wonderful for $2 million. He's exceptionally good for that price. And Lafreniere is finally starting to find some offensive firepower, but it took him f- like three years, four years. This is the fourth year. Um, we got both those lotteries, but that didn't accelerate us to becoming a contender. Three things accelerated us to becoming a contender. Panarin picked New York. He wanted to be here. Adam Fox grew up in Long Island. He wanted to be here. Igor Shosturkin is Igor Shosturkin. Outside of that, like maybe a trade for Mika Sabinajad and Chris Kreider was drafted a decade ago. Mm-hmm. The, but the rest of it is like filling in. You know, the, the Rangers have gotten lucky and they've got they've great made great signings. But there's there isn't this perfect like if we just tank and get these top picks, we're going to be awesome. Yeah. It so much of this boils down to like the story is not written yet. It's not it's not complete. People who will criticize the Iser plan, and again, they're fully within the rights to do it because the results aren't there yet. They I think the mistake that's being made is they'll take the Detroit team as is with prospects with picks and extrapolate from there and say, We don't have a cup contender here. And yeah, sure, but as you said, there are a lot of variables that come from other avenues in terms of how you build a team. I don't think Detroit has the appeal that New York City has, but at the same time, like moves have to be made but that's what the gm is for and that's generally where steve eisman has excelled so i understand the anxiety behind it but i think if and when this team does become a contender again it's it's going to be with a lot of steps between now and then which is hard to sell to fans but it's the only path forward that they have is there a way where things go so horribly wrong eiserman is not the guy when we get to june i don't i i personally can't think of one you would have to go the rest of the season without winning a game a la san jose yeah, it would have to be something. And even then, I don't know. No, he would get another coach. Eisenman has so much hold in Detroit. 
that it would have to be something unthinkable. Like it would have to be a bigger upset in sports than like Leicester winning with the Premier League or like you have to think completely batshit insane. I, I don't see it happening. Uh, Gerard Glantz still out there if you need a coach. Guess you're wondering. <laughs> no, no. Newsy, <laughs> Newsy's been good in Detroit. Derek Lalonde, I, I think uh, people may have complained early on that the system was a little bit boring to watch, but he's he's got the team to play really responsible hockey and much less than before. They don't get blown out as much. Final question, Price is Right style. What is the goal differential for the San Jose Sharks? What is it? Negative uh, uh, 54 right now? Very close. 43. It's 43? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's still pretty fucking I bad. I just added another 10-goal loss. Yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time this podcast comes out tomorrow morning, it might actually be No, that but yeah, we all, the three of us understand they are beating the Oilers on Thursday, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's oh my how God. this has to end. I, if, oh god if the san jose sharks are the reason Connor mcdavid leaves edmonton that would be hysterical all right can, can i ask one question it's yeah. so stupid what would a team like legitimately have to give up for rental mcdavid rental he's not resigning with you there's no chance i still don't uh, think i still don't think the limit doesn't exist is it like it's, still four firsts and, and like a oh, the four, the, well the four first parts of it is the easiest part like i I will give 10 firsts to get six months to Connor McDavid. <laughs> no, I don't care. I think teams, I think it would almost be too expensive where teams wouldn't do it. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's like almost untradeable. Like, he yeah. has to, he has to sign. I, it's another weird conversation I had with myself this week. I was like, you can't just trade him for a rental. There's, the price would be too high. So, no matter what, there, either someone's going to get a bargain on Connor McDavid because he's Connor McDavid, and then maybe it's like three first round picks and two players, who knows, for just the rental version. Or someone's going to have to convince him to extend long term, and they're going to gut their entire team to get him, and they're going to be the Oilers. But Ryan, are you telling me? Are you telling me you wouldn't trade Keandre Lafreniere, Goodrow's contract, and four first round picks for Connor McDavid? I do it right now. Yeah, you have to. You have to. So, like the Red Wings, Connor McDavid. The, you would you would trade in a heartbeat. I would think Raymond Larkin and picks. Uh, you'd have to come with term for if you're Detroit. New York and Detroit are in different <laughs> phases. You, If you're trading for a rental and you assume you're only getting him for a rental, you have to assume he's going to win you a Stanley Cup that year. And Detroit's not there right now. But yes, you, you make an uncomfortable trade that like includes Larkin or whoever and Raymond and multiple picks. Like It, oh, it would be sick. It would this be disgusting. Remi- this somehow reminded me. So we, we were making fun of the Sharks. Do you see the Sharks do not have the worst... Uh, um, save percentage average in the NHL. This is not Edmonton, is it? Edmonton. Oh my god! And, and for as bad as San Jose has been, the goalies are stopping more shots than Edmonton goalies are. <sighs> this is the thing with Ken Holland. Like his his era, he really had an era where he was so good as a GM. He deserves a statue in front of the LCA when he retires in Detroit. He really does. But the, his new era, the, the era where he's kind of faltered kind of uh, uh, being a little light there. He excelled in RFA contracts, but in signing UFA deals has been atrocious. Handcuffed Detroit with so many god-awful contracts, and in Edmonton has done the same thing on defense and in net. Like, it is... Uh... All it takes is one or two, man, and you're screwed for a decade. I know. That's the difference between the NHL and other sports. You can get out sooner. Or you're like, the, N- the NFL, the Giants signed Daniel Jones to a four-year contract. He stinks. <laughs> He'll be gone next year. Like... They're not as handcuffed. They'll figure it out. It's funny as like a, a, a cursory 
NFL fan. Like I'll follow the lines, obviously, but I only know enough about the Giants just from fantasy football, which I don't play anymore because I, I value my mental health. Same. But we all quit. When they when they signed Daniel Jones to that extension, I hadn't been following along his season where I guess he looked good for a hot second. I was like, doesn't he suck? And it turns out he does. And so being a, a almost non-football fan, I was right accidentally. Well, now, to be fair, I'd be remiss. Enough Giant fans listen to this show where I have to defend Giant fans psyche just a little bit um, <laughs> this is coming from a lions fan you guys can beat up on me and i will lose well i have some michigan questions for you before you go oh, because oh it boy. doesn't seem like things are going to go too well for you over there buddy yeah, yeah. um but giant giant fans for the majority of them all seem a little perplexed why jones wasn't giving wasn't given the um franchise tag why they had to give him this contract that essentially locked him in for two years because listen he was good for stretches of the 2022 season. As much as I dislike the guy, as much as I think he's been always bad, you have to say that he was a big reason why the Giants started, I think, 7-2-1 and one last year. You give him credit for that, but then it's fair to ask, this is a quarterback that before the season they didn't give the fifth-year option to, so they were already ready to walk away from him. Why did you lock him in for two years when you could have easily locked him in for one? That's... That's a question Giant fans have been asking since the jump, and now that we've gotten here, well, Tommy DeVito, holy shit. That is, uh, man, quarterback play sucks this year, dude. It is so bad. And then you have what Brett Favre's like 12 seconds in. Brett Favre, jeez. Aaron Rodgers at 12 <laughs> seconds in the Jets. I mean, Brett yeah. Favre could have lasted 12 seconds of this Yeah, I think week. the Brett Favre 12 seconds is totally different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you can say that, but I can't say things about Wim Yama? All right, I'm understanding. <laughs> That's for the end of the episode. Yeah, um, whatever. I'm upset other, with you. Any other questions for our, our dear friend Ryan? Well, I mean, we, do, we we have to talk about the Harbaugh, Harbaugh Michigan of it all if we're going to talk not, to I'm our friend. I'm not that aware of this, so go on. So, Ryan, for the, for the uninformed, Michigan essentially got caught sending a – what was he? He was a school staffer, right, Hannah? I uh, I am the wrong look. I am the wrong person to ask about this. I've been follow. I've just been reading, uh, whatever I can on it to catch up. And I have to say, the two spaces where the news you read is so warped by the source is you know the big events happening in the world right now, which I'm not even going to say the, those words because I'm going to get blasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, is uh, college football, especially as it pertains to Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State. But yeah, some kind of sign stealing, a staffer dressing up as a someone else with a mustache. It all like it all looks pretty incriminating. I don't know enough to know you know who's guilty or not. Uh, as a overall Michigan fan, I've just been laughing and saying, "Oh well, if we cheat, I hope we win at least." But uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might not be <laughs> you might not good. be allowed allowed to win is the problem. So. Mead, to catch you up on it, essentially mm. what it boils down to is a Michigan staffer was buying two tickets to every Big Ten game of the opponent Michigan was going to play either the next week or a week before that. He and they would football. sit, college football, and they would sit on the sideline changing which side of the stadium they were on to get the signals. And he got to a point where he apparently was getting sideline passes to also get on the sideline and see it from that perspective too. So Michigan fucked up here. The question is, this is essentially like what the Astros did, where we know Michigan's doing something, but it's pretty clear other teams are doing something too. So the question is, how much more egregious is what Michigan is doing compared to, I mean, whatever Michigan State does, it doesn't help them. So 
Yep. I think we'll find out by whatever the punishment is, because if they are able to get away with it and, and Harbaugh ultimately keeps his job, then you're going to know there is an analog to, you know, the Red Sox were also stealing signs with the Apple Watch. Or the whatever Dodgers and the Yankees yeah. were all accused as well. So Yeah. So And there's something about private investigators and Ohio State. It's all it's all honestly hysterical. I encourage everyone, if you're too embedded in this, pull yourself out, only keep a cursory view, and it all becomes very funny very fast. <laughs> I will crazy. once again say the only thing I've ever been more certain of in my entire life is the New York Mets never, ever participated in sign stealing because they were way too fucking cheap to try. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Ryan, cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, good luck tomorrow, except not so much. Um, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, find nice. us wherever you find your show. Uh, WingedWheelPodcast.com, at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter, at Winged Wheel Podcast and most other socials. My name is Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna WWP on Twitter. Uh, you usually find me, Greg, and uh, your Ryan subtweeting each other. So uh, you can probably yeah, find fun us times. that way. Yeah, <laughs> fun times. Appreciate Ryan, you guys we'll, having me we'll, on. We'll, we'll, we'll talk shit on Twitter as the game goes on. Yeah, one of, one of these days, I think we're going to get on your show, too. One day. I, just, like I don't know years. when. Uh, <laughs> the invitation's lost in the mail. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get you paper. on soon. We'll figure it out. Thanks, yeah. Ryan. We'll talk to you soon, man. Cheers. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Five-star questions. You ready? Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. 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 Um, this should be pretty... One of them's from Maddie Jack. It makes me want to die. Um, no. If you want to leave five-star questions, you go to Patreon and leave a... Go to our Discord and leave them on there. There you go. You figured it out. You got this. Uh, this is from Dead by Zamboni. Have you seen what the NBA is doing in the in-season tournament? Pretty much Dead by Zamboni asked if we'd want to do this in the NHL. It's kind of like an FA Cup. Except it's not. I, it's were you were you aware that these games are counting for regular season standings? I was. I was aware. Yes. I was completely unaware. I I was aware of this, and it it does. Um, I I, I know why they're doing it because they don't want to add more games to the schedule. I understand that. Why Why don't you want to add more games to the schedule? Is my question. The players won't. The players would say no. I get but, it. I get it. But I I I lost all interest in this in season tournament when I heard that it was regular season games. Yeah. Yep, I'm the same way. As soon as it's regular season games and it counts towards that, there's, there's it's no just like, a regular season game. It's just me. a regular season game. Yeah, like you, yep. you, you're giving out a, and again, I, the biggest problem is, and to be clear, you and I are big get the bad guys. I'm happy there is a cash incentive for the players. That's wonderful for them. I hope they play their hearts out, win that money, have a great time. There's no incentive for me, the the Knicks fan for my Knicks winning this in-season tournament, which, again, counts against the regular season standings. Yes, there's no actual... It's very silly. Yeah, I don't so... I really get it. I... 
Like the FA Cup is an independent event from the Premier League. The right. the Carabao Cup, independent event from the Premier League. Champions if, League, independent event from the Premier League. And uh, you know, there there's more history in it. There's it's a bigger tournament so it's open to more teams. There right. there's more buying and nobody I don't think truly cares about the Carabao Cup in England. Like it's an Let, it's an, no, no one cares. No, it's an important trophy. If you want the quote unquote treble in England, you that's the third trophy you do have to win. But it's kind of otherwise a participation trophy for Premier League teams. Probably the right. easiest way to describe it. But here, here's the deal: if the NHL just was like, okay, let's go to seventy-two games, but we'll have a one and done in-season tournament, I'm in. Like that, that I'm interested in. This, the regular season can go down. Uh, and then there's some sort of seating for a tournament that's like one game and you're, like, you're done. No, that's fine. I I still I need I need there to be an incentive for me the fan that makes sense for me to care. Otherwise, I I still don't care. Like I that that's all great and good. Am I playing for a playoff spot in this tournament? Like what 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 is my incentive to root for it? Otherwise, it just sounds like a exhibition in the middle of my hockey season, yeah, which I, I don't right. want. I need I need stakes on there. The idea I heard, um, I think someone posted it on Twitter, and it was from NBA Reddit, that would be fun for the NBA side of this. It's fun for the players, creates stakes for the players and the fans, is winning team hosts the All-Star game. So then... Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah, so then fans are like, great, if we win this tournament, the All-Star game is in my backyard, I could possibly go to it. And for owners, it's like, great, give me that revenue from yeah. the All-Star game. I, I think I think the other owners would say, "Well, this is too unfair. There's too much revenue <laughs> going to these good teams." But it, yeah. it would motivate teams to stop being dog shit, and uh, you know, I, I hope so. Some, te- but it, to me, it it's the fact that it still counts as regular season games that doesn't make any sense to me. I went into this thinking some teams might take the tournament seriously, but other teams might use it like English Premier League teams use the early rounds of the FA Cup, where they're just playing the kids. Yep, that's what I was hoping for with the NBA in-season tournament, where at least we'd be able to get different looks at different players. But now that I know it's just a regular season game with an asterisk on it, I fucking hate it. I some have of the, no some of the players came ahead afterwards. They're like, "What do you think about the tournament?" They're like, "This tournament? <laughs> I have no idea." Uh, let's get. We have a couple more questions. We're gonna get to these. This is from Maddie Jack. Oh, this is in italics. In case you're wondering. Oh no, the New York Rangers are bleeding money and can't feel the stance. In an effort to save his cash cow. Gary Bettman gifts the teams one of three players to choose from. Current contract and NYR cap implications apply, and the opposing team is well aware of the situation. Who are you rocking with, Matthew Kachuk, Jack Hughes, or Connor Bedard? So Matthew Kachuk is the most ranger of the three. He's the most ranger by far, but I think my answer is Connor Bedard. No. It's not for me. You really want to? You want to just Jack Hughes? Uh, we've been how, how, we just did a whole rant on why Kako Kako going to the third line isn't a problem. You want to do this all over again with some yeah, other number one pick? Yeah. Okay. You're right. I think it's so, Kachuk to me is the most fun to root for, and just he's the most Ranger by a lot. He's the most. He's the most what you want a Ranger to be. Jack Hughes, man's made of tinfoil. He made he fucking hurt again. Ah. Uh. <laughs> they're never gonna, well, they're like, never gonna find that part it's fine no it's fine yeah um i was i think jack's out for four weeks at this point yeah so really 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 tough time to be a jewish kid living in new york not having fox or hughes around anymore it is tough we're That's we're a, falling 
Uh, Jeff, by the way, sent me a real melancholy text. Um, and he'll be on the show next week to talk oh, Devils. Jeff's on the show? Yeah. Okay. First time ever Jeff asked to be on the show. He's like, I would like to preview the game. And I was like, you, <laughs> you, you're making my life easy. Fantastic. Very good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all that hype for Devils Rangers this year, and it's not going to have Fox or Hughes in it. I know. That's so sad. Well, hopefully we get it later in the season. It's for Brett. <laughs> Will we have games later in the season? I think we could be done with the Devils by December 15th. That's I don't true, know how actually. the schedule is. So stupid. It's for Bradley. Which of the four major sports are you most likely to believe in the gods of? Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. It is baseball. It is not close. Yeah, and again, part of it is because we have 150-year history with baseball gods being some evil sons of bitches. They are evil, bro. Um, they really are. Yeah. But sports curses are real. But baseball gods are like, they're the top of the echelon. Sports curses are real, though. Sports curses are real, which is why everything that's happening to any Canadian hockey franchise is just funny to me. Um, basketball, oh, I don't is... think there are curses. In, I, don't, I, I don't think there are basketball gods. Because I think Rashid Wallace told us what the basketball god is, and the god is the ball. And the ball don't lie. So I think I just live my life on the ball don't lie principle and i think that has made me pretty agnostic with basketball it's from cole i actually like this question a lot okay how much money will it take for you two to review a henrik's cologne how much do do we have enough money to even buy it no i don't think so if you're gonna i i'm a cheap how how much do you think it is Um, how much do you think it is i'm gonna say 4.99 henrik lunkwist that's 499 dollars I understand. I'll say two ninety nine. There's real prices right shit here. This is uh two thirty. No. Two thirty for the next chapter volume one. Oh, well, oh we, we both lost though. But if you want to get volume two Oh god. Wait, uh, no, why cheaper. are there volumes to Cologne? Well I'm looking. Uh, all right, I think it's two thirty. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, that, there's the answer. Two hundred thirty dollars plus I don't know some. I, you send us if you, you send if you send, cologne, if you we'll if you it. send me Hank Cologne, I promise you I will try it for five dollars. Like <laughs> I can be bought real cheaply. I will say this all reminds me: no commercials on planet Earth make less sense than cologne and perfume commercials. I don't I don't know what product they are selling until it's just Chanel. I actually think it, I think it makes perfect sense. Have you seen Hyperlinquist? I want to smell like him. That's the whole point. <laughs> but every commercial is let's frolic over the beach with a really famous person that is giving the allure that they're eventually going to fuck the person they are on screen with. <laughs> and then they're just like, well, look, it sells, man. That's, I, what, that's what it is. I know, but I just, I'm so confused by the commercials. I think we should make a BSB commercial in the style of a perfume slash cologne commercial. Actually, do not hate this idea. I wish Nick was more available. We will not um, be in said commercial, you and I. That's clear. Oh, well, then Maddie, Maddie's making it tomorrow, then. Sorry, Maddie, <laughs> just ruined your day. Um, this, this, is from, uh, this is from EP29. Given that the Sharks are easily the worst team any of us have ever seen, should, should stats against them even count? Yeah, they all count. It's the NHL, man. That's I, how it works. I am mesmerized by what's sorry, happening in San Jose. Are you sorry, though? That's no, the real question. No, no, no. Why couldn't he tank like this when we had him? He he was trying when we had him. Yeah, look, we got a lot from the air. Worked out, right? <laughs> um, so this is from Pito's Proxy. It's clear the refs will again be managing the amount of power plays we get each game. Over or under 250 more missed calls this season over. 
uh, against us. And why do we continue to accept this year after year? Because there's nothing you could do about it, my friend. Mm. There's nothing you could do. About Listen, it. Angel Hernandez and C.B. Buckner are still umpires in baseball. The Hernandez thing is brutal. <laughs> it is so bad. I love, I love, I so that I will go to my grave absolutely fucking loving that he sued the league for being discriminatory as the reason why he wasn't getting prime um, postseason assignments. So he took MLB to court and MLB had to say on record, no, dude, we did it because you suck. And it's just, I love it. We did it because you're quite bad at your job. We cannot fire you. Yeah, because, listen, baby, uh, unions, those things are great. They exist. All right, this is from Gooses. If you were trying to increase 5v5 production, would you swap Laf and Kako or Mika and Hedl and Trocek? Interesting. Like, how would we increase it? Is the question. Separate Kreider and Zabana uh, Jed. I kind of liked Kreider and Trocek together last year. I'd like to see that again. I did like Kreider and Trocek last year, and I would honestly probably. Again, the real problem is what? Where am I putting Blake Wheeler? Panarin, Hedl, Lafreniere is working so well that I can't under good conscience break it up. But I, I still know, think but the best. Hurt, so I do think the best line is Panarin, Zibanejad, Lafreniere. I think that's probably right. I think I that think line offensively does the most that you want a line to do offensively at even strength, where it's very clear what role each player has. Lafreniere get to the net, Zibanejad hit rifles, Panarin playmaker. Mm-hmm. And then that would create Kreider, Trocek. I know you don't like Kako playing with Kreider, but if you got Trocek in the middle, that is a line that is not going to give up a goal, and they're going to piss you off in the offensive zone. It is, it is uh, a very good forechecking line, that's for sure. Uh, final question. This is from Esgaroth. I think that's how you say that. Oh, boy. Call me crazy, but I had a dream last night. I was drinking spiked eggnog with Greg in you're, some random you're, you're kitchen. You're fucking crazy, by the way. <laughs> like, what I am. Well, he tried to convince me that getting Kareem, I'm assuming he means Abdul Jabbar. I was thinking put, I was thinking that because it'd be really weird if Kareem Hunt was the Kareem he's thinking of. Yeah. To play hockey was the missing piece of this Rangers team. That being said, what athlete from any other sport would you want on the Rangers? We've had this conversation over the summer. I believe I was just like LeBron James. Uh I'm changing my answer. I think it's now Tyreek Hill. Freak. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's a freak. Um, don't want him around my kids, but he can run. I have an answer. The answer is Wembenyama, and he's a goalie. No, I've see. Here's the thing: I'm uncomfortable watching Wembenyama. The human body shouldn't be that. The slender man. Yeah, I don't. I you know, I will enjoy he's, the numbers, but I will never enjoy watching him move. It is weird, man. He's crazy. How, he's, it, let's have an honest conversation here. Yes. Do you think he's rocking? You're gonna let me cut? <laughs> I don't. I mean, it has to be. I am going to believe it. I am believing it. People will know, but I am believing it. I am believing it. Fuck you. All right. This has been the show. No, but come on. I'm no, I, the honest answer, the honest answer to it, I think is, I do think an NFL wide receiver is the position that most naturally bleeds towards fun and exciting on ice with basketball point guard being second. I won't disagree with you. I think you're probably correct. I would. I, I do like the idea of putting a, someone that's nine feet tall in the goal, though. Yeah, it's just not pleasant to look at. I, look, I don't know. 
I would just like to see what would happen. Like, hey, this guy's seven eight. We <laughs> put him in golf. His back's <laughs> gonna give out by the second period. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't just, it be maybe wouldn't it be funnier to put like Vince Wilfork in goal than Wembenyama? I uh, I don't know. You're getting a puck around Vince. The Peds, the Peds are just as big anyway. Vita Vea would be a nasty goaltender. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that dude's a psycho in a good way. This is uh, we're gonna actually have to end now. But we, you can follow us on Twitter at Orimi. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back with BSBOT. Uh, what day are we doing that? That's a Do they have a question. game Thursday? I forgot. I know they have a game they, tomorrow. I think they have a game. I'm going to the game tomorrow. If you're there, say hello. I'll be on the Chase Bridge. Uh, they have a game on Thursday versus the Wild. Uh-huh. So post-game Thursday night, we will be back. There you go. See you guys then. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. This is the part where I thank the NHL Insider Club's members for making this show possible, along with all their Patreons, but I screw these people's names up. Uh, for really taking their time to support the hell out of us and make the NHL Insiders chat uh, as good as possible. Actually, for the first time in a little bit, some good scoops there this week. Some really nice stuff. And some of it not from me. We have other people breaking stuff. It's crazy. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gartner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Monturo, Anthony Tanagreta, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett LaMayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brooke Rager, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mellon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Selwagon, Conrad Pedamage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezane, David Naren, David Siegel, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis, Greg talks about the Mets, uh, Mendoza line, Gretzky, uh, McFly, Harrison Hasco, Hill, Vanilla, Hippie, 89, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jeremy and Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zembraska, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestebaum, Josh White, Chris Florida, Leszek, Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kind, Meatball the Cat, Michael Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manaskew, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, other slash Pelican Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodarev, Phoenix Edition, P.J. Sparrow, Prolix Gamer, Randy Tesser, Ryan Watches Miracle. Oh, he got me. I do have to watch Miracle. Swingard, the Drop BKs, Tommy Sigleri, Tommy Tedeschi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, the original supporter, Vinny Bracco, Wayne E. Will Specter, and Winston, the golden retriever, bark to bark, 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 bark. Uh, I'll be making the long drive to MSG. I'm driving three hours in the morning, three hours back at night. I'm going to... Uh, will it be for a good reason? Will it be for a good reason? That'll be the question. Um, wishing you all a wonderful week. We'll see you guys then. Love you guys. Bye.